0: Welcome to another episode of Spotlight on Natural Resources, where we shine some light on what's going on in your environment. I'm your host, Amy Lefferinghouse. And I'm your co-host, Erin Garrett. And today we're here with Abigail Garfalo. She is an extension educator in natural resources, environment, and energy, and she is here to chat about biodiversity. Welcome, Abigail. Hey, guys. How's
1: it going? i good. Doing good. Sunny. Uh, it's it's hot. rainy up here well, it's, it's like really a hot rain <laughs> oh sunny that day. is that is the general consensus Aaron though hot very hot it, it hit us first week, week so yep <laughs> all right well abigail's
0: gonna talk to us about um biodiversity so that's a big word right for some people that is a big word so tell us uh what is biodiversity
1: Yeah, so big word. Let's break it down into two. There's bio and diversity. Bio meaning life, diversity meaning variety. So essentially, biodiversity is this variety of life on Earth. And there are three kind of basic categories of biodiversity when we think about it. There's the typical traditional one that mostly a lot of people are talking about when you hear the buzzword uh, biodiversity, and that's species diversity. So that's this idea that this variety of of living things. Um, imagine two streets. One is just there's one type of tree. Maybe let's just call it the calorie pear. While we're here, um, and it's all flowering at the same time. It's all the exact same species. And then there's another tree where there's oaks, maples, sycamores, uh, hawthorns, whatever um lots of different kinds of trees on that street so that street with lots of different species of trees has higher species biodiversity than the tree the the street with only the pear so that's our first type of biodiversity that everyone hears about the second one is is you can't really see it unless it's a physical trait but that's genetic diversity um, so that's another form of biodiversity. That's essentially this variety of genes among a population of of um, of species. So, like a specific organism, type of organism, um, you can see this. Essentially, this is helping them be resilient to change uh, in an environment. My favorite example is the um, is from the Industrial Revolution uh, with this this species of of peppered moth. Um, they were like this black and white um, speckled uh moth that was uh was predominantly that color um with some black other uh varieties going on there and um like color color morphs I think is the term Erin might know because she's our moth girl this is the second week in a row we're gonna yes. talk about some moths <laughs> but <laughs> essentially um you know these these the speckled ones the white and black speckled ones were more popular were more more numerous um because they they were less likely to be eaten because they camouflaged with the trees so well. Well, during the industrial revolution there was a lot of soot, a lot of smoke in the air and that caused um the lichen on the trees to die um and the trees essentially were this darker color um causing the darker colored moths to blend in better. And so that we saw this literally um life cycle of of like this real life example of evolution like right in our faces. um that, you know, showing that this genetic diversity was essential for the survival of the speckled moth species. Mm -hmm. So that's our our, our last one, or I'm sorry, our second one. Um, And then there's one more type of biodiversity, and that's ecosystem biodiversity, and that's a variety of habitats. And so essentially, you know, we have grasslands, we have savannas, we have uh, woodlands, prairies, dolomite prairies, dry prairies, wet prairies, all the types of things um, saying that, you know, this idea of we don't want just a forested ecosystem. We don't want just a prairie. We want this conglomeration, this mixture of all of them for the health and 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 um, diversity of life.
2: Awesome. Thanks for breaking that down for us, because I, too, think only at the first level that you talked about um, when we talk about species. And so having those three levels is, is great to kind of get that overview. Um, so now that we know a little bit about biodiversity, why does it matter?
1: Yeah, so um essentially they support healthy ecosystems that function properly and these properly functioning ecosystems are more resilient to stress so i'll kind of break that down a little bit we'll start with like this function piece what does that look like what are what are some functions within e- within a, a healthy ecosystem that we want to see um we want to see cooling right there are different temperatures going on um we don't want the sun's heat just kind of forced in everything um, and so um, you'll notice that from physical shade, um, there's a, some other cooling processes as well. Um, there's also pollination, the the reproduction of plants, um, how, facilitation of that, how is that happening and seeing that through wind, through animals, um, other processes. Um, similarly, seed dispersal. There's lots of forms of seed dispersal. Healthy ecosystems are having lots of different forms of that as well. My personal favorite is explosion. Um, I love a good jewelweed seed dispersal when you touch the pot and it just goes. whoop. Yeah, you you all are just like, yes, that is the, that is the vibe. So I love it. Um, energy transfer. That's like a fancy way of saying things, eating other things. Photosynthesis is energy transfer. I can get more. I can talk about photosynthesis all day. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Um, erosion control, stopping keeping the soil physically intact. Place decomposition, all of these are our functions within our ecosystem that when we have um, that are essential for the support of of life on Earth. Um, And what we want to do is we want to continue these functions. We want these functions to exist in order to make healthy ecosystems. Um, And so when we have a biodiverse ecosystem, when we have lots of things doing those functions, we have essentially backup plans for if one fails. Um, We have a little bit what we call resilience. Um, And so, you know, if we removed one species that was under stress, or if we put a little stress on one, then there's a little bit, there's some, there's some backup plans, whether that's within the population, like that genetic diversity we talked about, or, you know, within the whole ecosystem, um, you know, there's other options to be pollinated and things like that. Mm -hmm. So. So, yeah, and there's a lot of examples of failures of biodiversity. I mean, you know we we <laughs> we could I'm sure you all could come up with your own examples right now, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is that chestnut blight, um it was chestnuts, American chestnuts were really common. I think um, there's this really cool picture that I couldn't seem to find beforehand of the uh, U of I quad. That was mostly chestnuts. And now, like, when you look at the picture after the 1950s, you see that, oh, there's no more chestnuts here. Um, And the same thing's happening with the emerald ash borer, right? Um, And these, these, um, that's the chestnut blight was a fungus, but the emerald ash borer on the ash trees, that's an insect. And these insects aren't traveling 30 blocks on their own. They're traveling from tree to tree because, you know, 30 blocks worth of trees (laughs) are all the same tree. Uh, So, so having some interruption of that some backup plans, some stop gaps um, for this for for to stop those kinds of diseases from spreading um, is really important and that's that's what biodiversity does is build in that um, stop gap
0: kind of like a nature's insurance plan, you know, right. sure that it continues forever, sustains forever. I
1: like that. <laughs> I like that too. And we all just kind of <laughs> pay into it our premiums with our right. adding more species to the, to the ecosystem or genet- genetic diversity or ecosystem diversity, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so. right. So you talked about the functions and
0: these processes, you know, that are out there in our ecosystems. Are those the same as ecosystem services that we've heard. We've heard this term or I've read about ecosystem ecosystem services. What does that mean? And are those processes the same thing? And does biodiversity have anything to do with that?
1: Yeah, that's kind of a mouthful. Try saying that like five times fast, right? Ecosystem services, services, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, So that one's a little different. And that's often what we think of when we're talking about like, oh, why is biodiversity important? Because the ecosystem does all these things for us and that's the key right it's, it's ecosystem services i think is a very economics term it's a very people centered term so it depends on what school of thought you're coming from or i guess um, you know if you're more of a a, a practical nature or a, a you know a pessimistic nature some might say um you know that we we kind of want to make sure we're valu- we're providing this valuation for nature to show that hey it's actually really expensive to clean water ourselves, or to filter the air ourselves, or or to hold soil in place when there's all these things that are already occurring in nature, um, so here's the value that that's providing if you had to do it yourself, um, and that's essentially what an ecosystem services is. And there's there's a lot of different categories. Um, you know, there's like this this idea of the things that we physically extract from nature: food, fuel, and fiber. Um, there's the, like the, these services that, um, I was talking about, they're called regulating, um, this idea of, uh, making the ecosystem clean, um, and, and functional. So decomposition, water purification, flood control is a huge one. Um, and so thinking about that carbon storage, climate regulation is, is another service. Um, but one of my favorites, uh, ecosystem services that often we kind of overlook and tends to get undervalued is these cultural services um, or excuse me it tends to get valued for specific people um, but other other communities it tends to get undervalued um, and so this idea that you know nature contributes to the development and advancement of people in general and their their cultural and society um, so this idea of art religion, um, I think like every religion mentions nature in some way, shape or form. Um, and so uh, the, there's this this value that's hard to put a dollar dollar number on. um, but that's that's an ecosystem service as well. And then the last one, there's not really a, like there's a name for it. They call it supporting services, but it's like all the ones that make all the other ones possible. Uh, nutrient cycling, soil formation, water cycling photosynthesis my favorite um and so (laughs) so so yeah so those are those are kind of the ecosystem services but i i only like to talk about them if i'm like talking to somebody where like money talks right because it's really this human-centric utilitarianism view of um of nature and so kind of thinking about who your audience is when you're when you're talking about it in that way i guess
0: Right, right. A lot of policymakers, you know, want to see that value. Like, what is that value of our ecosystem services? So I like that knowing your audience and finding ecosystem services or biodiversity, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Definitely an essential part of our roles as as educators, like to be able to say like, hey, this is the valuation of that. Um, But it's also an important part of our role to be like, hey, if we're teaching kids, maybe let's think about nature as, you know, the beauty part and like the the function healthy ecosystem part and not just how it serves us. And so yeah, it's definitely
2: awesome. So, if we look back at biodiversity again, does this have does this concept have anything to do with kind of the increase in diseases that we're seeing, you know, in wildlife diseases that are spilling over to human diseases, like what is happening um and how does biodiversity play a role?
1: Yeah. So um let me break down so yeah this idea that like there are diseases that are kind of existing in wildlife and then they're somehow spilling over through contact or whatever to humans um you know we've seen uh bird flu for example um what was the one swine flu that was is that actually from pigs i don't want to share misinformation um both of you are looking at me like i don't know yeah <laughs> so um mm-hmm. but there that's there's a lot of um like uh, diseases from uh what's the perfect example mosquitoes right number one uh, most deadly wildlife in the world is from mosqui- is 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 mosquitoes because they're such a big transfer of diseases rats big transfer of diseases as well yeah exactly um and um, we recently had a pandemic where everybody was blaming it on bats um there's that was um not exactly where it came from that was a little more complicated of a situation um there was other species as well that um uh coronaviruses exist in as well. Um, But the answer to your question is complicated because um, like I mentioned, this idea of biodiversity, you know, if we have more of different kinds of species, um, there's less of a chance that they can spread as easily. So logically that makes a lot of sense. Um, Another piece that is really important to biodiversity um, and zoonotic diseases is this idea that um, researchers know that these kinds of diseases that tend to spill over into the human population tend to exist in short life history animals. Um, so rats, um, insects, uh, like mice, other, um, other kinds of like, you know, where they make a lot of babies and they die quickly kind of thing. Um, and when biodiversity value goes down, we know that the animals that suffer are the long life history animals, the ones that do not stick around as well. um are the ones that that suffer. and the ones that that explode and do really well are the the large life or the short life history animals. And so, you know, it's not that far of a leap and not that and it's been talked about in a lot of papers that, you know, yeah, we do see this tend um to be where we take biodiversity. Um, and we we de- we we decrease it, and we we knock out all the plants and animals, and we put in monocultures and things like that. We might see a little bit more. On the other hand, too, though, in areas where that are the most biodiverse areas in the world, on the equator, tend to be spaces where we see more diseases emerge. Um, so there's they have more opportunities for for more diseases to evolve. So it's it's a really complicated question, and it's not as simple as you know, biodiversity equals less disease. Um, the other thing that I think I forget about when I look at biodiversity and talking about valuation of it is we're thinking it, of it from a very like, biodiversity is already, already degraded. We want to increase, 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 increase. But there is this, um, what's it like, baseline for biodiversity for a certain area. Uh, biodiversity in, you know, Illinois, um, in Northeast Illinois, Southern Illinois, Central Illinois, wherever in Illinois, is not going to be the same value as biodiversity on the equator, nor is it going to be in Antarctica. Um, and so that baseline of biodiversity is different for where you are and what that ecosystem offers. Um, and it also, um, so when we talk about increasing biodiversity or, or making an improving it. We're talking about improving it from what we've degraded it from, um, from that baseline. And so that's kind of what I want us to keep in mind, that when we do tend to see where biodiversity has been degraded due to human impact, increased zoonotic diseases. So I guess that kind of, Mm -hmm. in so many words, right, that answers your question. You wrapped it up real nice at the end. Thank you. Yeah, it was going places. It was really going places. Yeah. So...
0: So today then, you know, we we have um lots of different issues um that we're working on um in nature and with within our natural resources. So what is the state of biodiversity um, you know, in our society? Yeah,
1: not great. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's hard to get a specific biodiversity number. And you all know, like, let me just count the number of insects in the United States, right? Like, that's not, that's an impossible task. And we have sampling forms in which we can make estimates and things like that. And, you know, study after study comes out that we're seeing less birds. We're seeing less insects, which is, um, you know, alarming. Um, and a lot of that is due to um, a lot of things that we're doing so we're destroying habitat at an unprecedented rate um, and we're separating habitat too we've decided that you know nature goes over there and we go over here um, and that's um causing a lot of uh issues um where there's pollution in in uh, our water that decreases um like a lot of our species are really sensitive to those things our amphibians in particular are really sensitive to pollution and our and um can be really negatively impacted and 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 die off because of that. Um we're overexploiting our resources and so that causes, you know, habitat destruction things like that. It's going to be a really this is a really sad list. Um so invasive species, we're seeing that as well. Um more being released, more coming, more spreading, um more less being controlled because of lack of education and things like that. So so that's a really important piece and and then one of the biggest factors which is, you know, kind of um, putting a fire under all of these previous things that I mentioned is climate change. Um, you know, when we are um, seeing, you know, increased droughts, increased um, uh, heavy rain periods where it just all the water just comes down at once. Um, that's just in Illinois. We're not even talking about the rest of the world. Um, all of these these impacts are just um causing more stress on on many of our species and many of our native species of that area. And if they can't relocate, then they die. Um, and so having these, um, we're putting too much stress that even the healthiest ecosystems aren't prepared and don't have that kind of resilience. And so thinking about those impacts, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of the state biodiversity today. It's not great. <laughs> so.
2: Well, on that note, what can we do? What if we, we never do, want what? to end it at that point. What can we do? How do yeah. we support, promote biodiversity as individuals? You know, what are some things that we can do?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I don't, I definitely didn't want to leave it at that. So I'm glad you asked that because, you know, that's just, yeah, like uh, what a, I, this is a funny joke where I say it's, you know, denial is not just a river in Egypt, but despair is not just a tire in the back of your car, um, you know, uh. <laughs> Where's the symbol sound? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <But> it... <laughs> yeah. So, you know, people feel like they hear all these things. And they're like, what do I do? What do I do? And the the answer is like, you can do all this stuff right in your own yard. You have the um, most likely, if you're listening, and maybe you don't, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but if you have a house, if you have property, you probably have one of the most irrigated, most monocultures in the United States. Um, and that is lawn. Um, and so change up that lawn. Think about what you want Um, what you get out of your lawn, what, what do you want out of it in the first place? Do you actually want to go out and play soccer? Do you plan on going out and playing soccer anytime soon? Um, if the answer to that is no, um, and you just really like to hang out back there, maybe there's something else you can do with that space to, to increase the number of species out there. Start with plants. Um, you know, a little bit, if you build it, they will come kind of scenario, um, and so planting a variety of plants, planting a variety of of blooms over seasons, you know, don't just um, plant. But if you're a planner like me, think about like, oh, I could have three spring blooms. I could have three uh, summer blooms and then some late summer slash fall blooms. Like, how great would that be? Um, and then I get flowers year round, enjoyably. And the, the insects have something to eat, you know. Um, so there's so many... Um, conservation-like tips that Extension has all over their blogs that's really, really cool, and I could list them all down every day, but I would say starting with just planting more different plants. Um, I think that's just a good baseline to start at, Um, and and then thinking about, you know, what kinds of things you want to support in your yard um, animals plant animals will hang out where they like to eat and where they find um, things are safe. And so, if there's an animal you don't want, don't provide the food for it. If there's an animal you do want, do provide the food for it. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, "How do I get more birds?" I'm like, plant like bushes that birds want to eat. Like, <laughs> yep. so, mm-hmm. it's not um, about the bird feeder. Yeah, yeah, it's it's about yeah, the thing- plant then you yeah. don't have to clean the bird feeder. That's what I tell people. So I'm not a bird feeder person. My neighbor has them. I enjoy the birds for her, but I'm not a big, um, you know, cause it's, I'm, I'm low maintenance, man. I don't want to, I don't want, I, I don't, I'm too lazy <laughs> to glean it. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, so it's just all about the plants.
0: I love that. That always, every time I, you know, listen to something like this, I always like, I can't wait to get home and assess my yard and see what I can do this year or next year or whatever. So it's always so inspiring. So thank you, Abigail, for um, inspiring us all uh, about biodiversity and what we can do in our own um, circles of our lives. Um, but now it is time for that special spotlight.
1: You guys, hopefully you guys have something in your head we need like a a a song or something for it do 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 do, special spotlight (laughs) (laughs) yes volunteered
2: yourself to record that (laughs) so this is the point of the
0: show where we are going to shine a spotlight on something cool that you saw in nature um this month or the past couple weeks so who wants to start Oh, ready.
2: Aaron, Aaron, I'm ready. We ended on the plant note. So this is what I've been doing in my backyard is slowly putting in native plants. I'm amazed at all of the insects and wildlife that I'm seeing in my yard. And I walked through my yard 10 minutes before we recorded this episode. And I found my first purple poppy mallow is in bloom and I'm so excited. It's the first, I put them in, in the fall and I didn't know how well they'd do in the first year if they'd bloom, and the first one, full bright, brilliant pink bloom, and I'm so excited about it. So, um, I'm excited to go out and watch and see what insects come and visit it. Now that's the next Mm -hmm. step. But um, I just thought that just brightened my day, so I figured I'd share it with you all.
0: That's awesome. I put I put purple poppy mallow. Say that one again four Uh (laughs) times in a row. I did too this year, so I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome.
1: I fall planting is the way to go. I've been doing it spring is. planting the last two years and I hate every single minute of it. I got to do so much watering mm-hmm. fall planting. I feel like you get the return nice and quick in the spring. Mm-hmm. So I love it. That's my trick. No <laughs> new, new trick. Well, I'll go next. Um, so I was out chatting with one of my neighbors and I saw a possum in my backyard, which I actually think is super cool um, my partner did not think that as at all. Um, so I had to, you know, like kind of give him a little education. Possums are awesome and they prevent insects and eat things and like, they're really cool. And here's all these awesome things about them. And so shout out to the urban wildlife and the importance and value that they bring to our environment Um, apparently it lives under my deck according to my neighbor oh (laughs) yeah so I don't know how I feel about being that close I am definitely someone who's like got a good respect for wildlife but I am very excited to see that it feels supported in my environment (laughs) I love that we've
2: seen a baby we've had a baby possum in our yard before and that was the cutest thing ever it like scurried away and it was so cute my mom and possums they have a
0: love-hate relationship they live on a farm so urban wildlife or rural wildlife their possums are are both they're in both places so uh well my um mine's kind of odd I guess little spotlight but I put or I was out yesterday or the day before hiking around a lake and I saw the tallest poison ivy I have ever seen in my entire life. It was over six foot tall. On its own? Yes, yes. Like not in a vine? Like vining, not like vining up. It was, um, I was out with a, a forester and yes, it was six foot tall poison ivy, biggest poison ivy plant I had ever seen in my entire life. So I don't know if it's a shout out to the poison ivy because we know that it can be, you know, harmful to uh, some folks out there, but it was definitely one of those uh, awestruck moments, I guess, that I had.
1: Um... It is Native, though. It's like, I mean, like, because it's got, like, Aaron, correct me, you might know this. Um, It's like feeds wildlife, like wildlife eat the, the flowers and stuff. They
2: eat the berries, which yeah. I had never seen berries until like last year on poison ivy, but they're like white. They look really pretty, actually. Not that I'm suggesting that you. Nobody eat them. We're not. They don't eat it. No, but I was surprised that birds can eat it and not be affected by it. So, I mean, yeah. it definitely does have its place in the ecosystem. Um, But when I've had it in my home landscape. It's gotta go so shut <laughs> to eradicate yeah. it and get rid of it so yes. you know it's a challenge yeah well thank you all
0: um thank you abigail again for sharing your knowledge about biodiversity um this has been another episode of spotlight on natural resources check out next month where we will talk with duane friend about corn sweats